had a wedding a couple weeks ago yesterday. Uh, Sue's nephew got married. I have a wedding coming up uh, this Friday. Travis and Tracy are getting married. I asked Travis a minute ago, are you nervous? He said, no, I'm rock solid. We're going to lay out pillows on the platform because we're afraid he's going to faint when he gets up here. But I always mention in my wedding ceremonies how God defines in the Bible what he wants us to be as husbands and what he wants ladies to be as wives. If you've been to my weddings, you've heard this. I, I tell the grooms that the word groom or husband is used in the Bible over 200 times. And every one of those verses tells us as men what God wants us to be as a husband. And then I tell the bride, the word, the bride that the br- word bride or wife is used in the Bible over 400 times. And I always make the statement that I think God put twice as many instructions in the Bible for women as he did for men. At least I used to think this, just because they were women and needed twice as many instructions. But then I always say, with time, with time, I have learned it's because women have to live with men that God had to give them twice as many instructions. But every one of those verses uh, tell us as men and tell you ladies as ladies what God expects us to be as husband and wife. And And I was thinking about some of those verses the past couple of weeks, how they compare Jesus to a groom and how they compare the church to his bride, the bride of Christ. You see, many times in the Bible, God uses the familiar to explain the spiritual. Uh, Many times the Bible says the kingdom kingdom of God is like unto. And then the Bible talks about something that's earthly, something that we know about. And then God makes a comparison between that earthly thing and something spiritual. Uh, for example, God is referred to as a father. And many of us, because of, uh, think of uh, when we think about God, we think about some characteristics that our own father exhibited in his life that God uh, also has. Again, in many verses, Jesus is pictured as a groom and the church as the bride. And I got to thinking how man does things to mess up the pictures that God paints in his word. You know, Moses was prohibited from leading the people into the promised land because he messed up one of the pictures that God was trying to paint. Moses got water out of the rock the first time by striking the rock. The second time God sent him to the rock, he said, don't strike it, speak to it. And Moses messed up. He got mad at the people. And the second time he struck the rock. And as a result of that disobedience, he did not get to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And we look at that. And if you don't understand why, what was going on, you say, man, that's pretty harsh punishment. For somebody who led the people for 40 years not to go in the promised land. But God was painting a picture. That rock was Jesus Christ. And he only needed to be crucified once. He only needed to be struck once. He's the fountain of living water. But he was only crucified once. And so we mess up the picture. I read a story this week about a man who died in Kansas. He had his first. He, he he was a widower when he married the second time, and he only had one son by his first wife. And so when he died, he left a pretty large estate, two and a half million dollars. 
And because his son wanted to make sure that everything was legit, he investigated his stepmother. And he found out that his stepmother was a man that changed into a woman in the state of Missouri. And the state of Missouri recognized that, but the state of Kansas didn't. And so the state of Kansas annulled their marriage, and the son got the whole $2.5 million. Now, again, we as people mess up the picture of God. The picture of God is Christ is the groom, us as the church as the bride, and we, we you know, we, we, the Supreme Court, as I mentioned earlier, is going to decide the definition of marriage. Hopefully they decide with God, the one that created marriage. But I was thinking this week, and I say all that by way of introduction, I was thinking this week, I'm part of the bride. Now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't thought very much of myself as a bride. You would think I was weird if I did. And so I don't spend much time thinking about myself as a bride. But I did this week. I'm part of the bride of Christ. And there's some things that happen to a bride that have happened or, or are going to happen to me as part of the bride of Christ. And today, I want to, I, to, this morning, I just want to mention three of those things. And I want to tell you, I'm sure glad these things have happened or are going to happen to me. As part of the bride of Christ, I rejoice that I get to take part in these three things. The first one I was mention, what I would mention to you is that when a lady gets married, she gets a new name. A bride comes with her parents' name and leaves with her husband's name. By the way, I'm a little bit old-fashioned. So if you're going to get married and not take your husband's name, just don't get married in the first place. If you love him enough to marry him, love him enough to take his... And I know, oh, what a chauvinist you are. I admit, I'm a chauvinist. I'm an old-fashioned, Bible-believing preacher that believes we ought to do it God's way. We can't, we can't improve it. We can't fix it up any better than God designed it. One man and one woman, husband and wife. And so he, she gets a new name. She comes with a name that she did not choose. She comes with her parents' name. She gets married and leaves with a name she did choose. Because she chose that one to be a, her husband. When we become part of the bride of Christ, we get a new name. We read in Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and I will write upon him my new name. You see, when we were born, we all got a name. We got the name of our parents, but we also got the name sinner. Enemy of God, stranger, alien. We got that name from our, from our parents, from our dad. And again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that anybody's dad here was an evil person. I'm just reminding you of the scriptural truth that when we were born, we were endowed with a sinful nature that came from our father, who came from our grandfather, who came from his dad and his dad and his dad, tracing it all the way back to Adam, the first man that was created. 
And so from him, we get a sinful nature. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. So when I was born, I got my dad's sinful nature, and it wasn't long before that sinful nature turned into sin. It wasn't long before I was faced with making the decision where I knew right was right and wrong was wrong, and my sinful nature led me to choose wrong, and I became a sinner. And so I had a name from birth. I was Daryl Sinner. But one night, almost 48 years ago, on my knees, down before a red vinyl couch in my pastor's study, I told Jesus I was a sinner. I told him I understood that there was nothing I could do to pay for my sin. I told him that I understood that when he went to the cross, God took all of Daryl's sins and put them on his son. And as Jesus died on Calvary, he paid for every one of my sins. And that night, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I said, Jesus, I need you. I can't pay for my sin on my own. I don't even want to try. I'm trusting you to make me right with God. And that night, I got a new name. Daryl Sinner became Daryl Justified. Daryl Lost became Daryl Saved. Daryl Stranger became Daryl's Son. Daryl Guilty became Daryl Forgiven. Daryl Headed for Hell became Daryl Headed for Heaven. I got a new name when I asked Jesus to be my Savior. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in that stone a new name written. In New Testament times, when you went into court and you stood before a judge, you were accused of a crime. The judge had a white stone and a black stone. If you were found guilty of that crime in that court, the judge would take the black stone, write your name on that stone, give it to you, and require that you carry it on your person at all times. If you were found innocent, the judge would take the white stone, write your name on the white stone, and give it to you as a token of your innocence, and again, require that you carry it with you at all times. When you went out of the court... Uh, and, and somebody approached you on the street and said, hey, you're the guy that committed that crime. You're the guy that did that evil deed. If you had been found innocent of that crime, you, can, you could pull that stone out of your pocket and say, not me. I was proven innocent. I have a white stone with a new name written on that stone, proving my innocence of that crime. I want to tell you something this morning. When Satan comes and tries to accuse me of sin, when Satan comes and tries to tell me I'm a no good, rotten sinner, I pull a white stone out of my pocket that Jesus wrote a new name on and say, not so, not so. I got a new name when I got saved. I got a new name that's written down in glory. We sing that song. I was once a sinner, but I came Pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given. And I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. 
And the white robe angels sing the story. A sinner had come home. Oh, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. When, and I can't remember the rest of it, but <laughs> it's a good one. I got a new name. Something else a bride gets when she gets married. Number two, she gets a new address. Bride comes to the altar living in one place, leaving to go live in a new place. When we become the bride of Christ, the same thing happens to us. We read in verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall no go, no, go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. I did a wedding a couple years ago where the couple uh, had gone out and actually purchased a house before they got married. And it was one of these uh, fix-up houses, a house that needed a lot of work before you could move into it. And uh, I was talking to them at, at rehearsal, and they were telling me about this. And the, and the, and the husband-to-be, the groom, said, yep. And I, I, told, I told my fiancé, I told my wife that I didn't want her to come over until I got the house done. I mean, I let her pick out the colors and the carpet and all that other stuff, and she got input, but I told her I did not want her to see it until I got the house done. And so they got married, and because the groom was so proud of the house, they asked me, said, Pastor, we're going to go buy our house before we go to the reception. Wondered if you'd just come over there for a second, and we could take a few pictures, and you could see the house. And I said, I'd be happy to. And we, it was a beautiful place. He'd done a wonderful, wonderful job in fixing it up. And I, and I was thinking about this week, that's exactly what Jesus is doing for me right now. In the book of John, chapter 14, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I've been thinking about this. You know, I've been saved for 48 years. 48 years. Some of you have been saved longer than that. You know, all that time, God, Jesus has been working on a mansion for me been working on a mansion for you. I mean, he created the world in six days. Can you imagine what my mansion's going to look like? Jesus Christ working on it for 48 years. It's going to be, I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. So I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. I not only got a new name, but I got a new home. I'm not there yet. But one of these days, when I leave this earth, either by way of the rapture or by way of death, I am going to that place that has been prepared for me by the Son of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. I get not only a new name, but a new home. And then finally, number three, when a lady gets married, when a bride becomes a wife, she gets a new life. A new life. A different life. A new name, yes, a new address yet, but a new life. A life that has new responsibilities. A life that has new privileges. A life that has new desires. Uh, uh, a, a young lady lives at home with mom and dad. When she gets married, it's completely different when she moves in with her husband. It's completely different. 
things change. All things become new. Uh, you, you, you that have been married, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, if you can remember that long ago, Brother Wayne, when you and Carol first got married 63 years ago, I mean, th- things, things were different. Things changed. That's the way it happens when we become part of the bride of Christ. Things change. We get a new life. We get, we, we get, we, 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 we get new responsibilities. We get new privileges. We get new desires. I mean, all things become new when we become part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking this week, you know what? I've never heard a bride talk about what she had to give up to get married. Never heard that. Now, maybe there were some that did it, but I've never heard a bride. In all the weddings I perform, the bride has never talked to me. Well, you know, I really had to think about getting married. I had to give all this stuff up. I had to give up living with mom and dad, living underneath their rule. I never heard a bride say that. I had to give up living with my brothers and sisters. I never heard a bride say that. I never heard a bride talk about anything that she had to give up that she wanted to hang on to that might have kept her from being married. No, when a, when a lady gets married, everyone that I've talked to was more than willing to give up those things that she knew in her old life so that she could become part of the things that were going to be her new life. And yet I hear people talking all the time about they can't be a Christian. They can't become part of the bride of Christ because all of this stuff they have to give up. I want to just grab them by the shoulders and shake them and say, look, whatever you're hanging on to that you think is better than being part of the bride of Christ, than being better, that's better than being a Christian, it is not worth it. it. It is no comparison. The new life in Jesus Christ far outweighs what it is in the old way of life. Far outweighs. So a lady gets a new name. She gets a new address. She gets a new life. When I became part of the bride of Christ, when you became part of the bride of Christ, you got the same thing. You got a new name that's written down in glory. You got a new address. We're not, we sing, Bob and Virginia sang about heaven. We sang about, the choir sang a song about heaven when we started. Again, we think we know all about heaven. Oh, yeah, I know all about heaven. The streets are made out of gold, transparent gold, and there's no night there, no tears. Listen, 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 listen. You have no idea. I have no idea how wonderful heaven's going to be. It's going to, I mentioned in Sunday school, when God keeps his promises, he always goes beyond our expectations. When you get to heaven, I think you're going to stand there for a thousand years with your mouth wide open. Wow. I can't believe it. I just can't believe how good this is. And yet people are going to miss it because they've rejected Jesus Christ. I hope there's nobody like that here this morning. I hope there's nobody that thinks there's something more valuable in this world than to know that you belong to Jesus Christ. You're part of God's family and you got a new name and a new home. Peter, I, I can't be a Christian. I have to give up too much fun. I want to tell you something. I've had more fun as a Christian than I ever did before I got saved. What's stopping you? 
What's keeping you back? I guarantee you, if, if, you, could, if you could just put, put in your hand, I mean, if you could just say, this is what's stopping me from being a Christian. And you could talk to five or six of us, and we could tell you what it's like to be a Christian. Pretty soon, the scales would go from being like this to being like this. Because this far outweighs anything the world has to offer. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, I give you an opportunity this morning to get a new name. Get a new home. Get a new life. Not me, but the one I represent, the Lord Jesus Christ. He can do that for you today. Today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the pictures you paint in the Bible about spiritual things that make it easy for us to understand. And I pray for those that might be here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've never admitted their sin, never understood they needed a Savior. And they have no idea what I've been talking about this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open their minds, you would open their hearts. They would understand that their sin separates them from God. Their sin's going to keep them out of heaven. And Father, there's nothing they can do to pay for their sins. There's nothing they need to do because Jesus paid it all. Help them this morning to receive Christ. Help them to receive the gift of salvation he purchased for them on Calvary. And then, Father, I pray for the many Christians that are here. I pray that we would realize what we have in Jesus Christ and that all things have become new. And we need to live our life in such a way that's pleasing to you. We need to live our life in such a way that's honoring to you. We need to live our life in such a way that we tell the world that we're a child of the king, we're part of the heavenly family in a way that would be pleasing and honoring to you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, the hearts of all that are lost, the hearts of all that are saved. If there's something that you need us to do, if there's something that we need to do, I pray that we'd be obedient this morning. I pray that you would just help us to, to do what you tell us to do and that Jesus Christ would be glorified. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.